Hello and welcome to Pro Construction Guys series of ProCasts. This is uh, our next episode about two big legal issues the pros need to know about. I'm John Gordon. And I'm David Doble. Hey, thanks for joining us. Pro Construction Guide magazine regularly brings you a new ProCast built exclusively for you, the professional contractor. It's the only podcast for pros hosted by pros and with successful contractors as guests. You can listen to any ProCast at ProConstructionGuide.com or iTunes. And like to take a second, just a little bit uh, in every episode, to talk about the Pro Construction Guide. And this week's free email, the newsletter that comes uh, free to you, is packed with awesome articles. Um, it it helps pros to be more effective on the job site and more profitable. Yeah, the the, the newsletter editor they told me the uh, readers love the article about how to install a pre-hung door. Hey, I even got a few uh, a few tips from that, and I've been doing it a long time. Uh, one, uh, the other thing was tuning a miter saw, which you, you, you need to know that because if it gets out a little bit, uh, you're not going to cut those 45s properly. It's ugly. Yeah. It's ugly fast. Yeah. And you're sitting there wondering what's going on. Uh, so I've been a, de- I've been, a, I've been a remodeler for decades and I'm going to tell you, I get a lot out of these, uh, out of these newsletters. No, it's good. It's, it's sharing information, but here's the best part. It's free. You don't have to pay to get it. You can. It's available in English. It's available in Spanish. You can get check it out anytime. You know, you know, it doesn't come in the middle of your day. You can do it at your leisure, and you can sign up. Anybody can sign up for it at ProConstructionGuide.com or at MeConstrugia.com. So, all of that said, let's get on with the show. And in this episode, we're going to be talking with a lawyer who works exclusively with professionals about the common legal mistakes that contractors make, and how to avoid them. So we want to welcome to the Pro Construction Guide series of ProCasts, DS. DS, give us a 30-second bio on DS of Berenson. Okay, John. Well, we're a national law firm, and we are exclusively representing remodelers and specialty contractors and the general contractor. We've been doing that for about 25 years, uh, from chucking a truck to the big box retailers and some of the public remodelers. And um, our job, we consider our job to basically be to help the contractors stay safe and keep the money that they earn. That's what we do. And I'm not much of a marketer. If anyone's interested, though, we're at HomeImprovementLaw.com. HomeImprovementLaw.com. Sounds like um, a resource to me. So we have an industry filled with really good people and really good technicians who can run into challenges unintentionally. What's the biggest legal issue that a professional contractor faces today? Well, the difficulty nowadays is that we really have a target on our back. It's become a much different industry than it was back in the 1970s, and legal is involved in almost every aspect. Yeah. I'd say for the past couple of years, the biggest liability by far for our clients has been the reclassification of independent contractor or 1099 labor. And uh, especially under, under the particular administration we have in the White House now, there's been an expansion of this. We have about 25 states that have particular laws targeting the use of independent contractor installers in our industry. Mm-hmm. Um, you can still have independent contractor installers if you structure the relationship correctly. But if you don't, or if you're taking advice from some of the consultants in the industry, uh, you can really end up with problems, and unfortunately, our firm tends to be the one on the courthouse steps defending contractors on this issue. Okay, so you, it's it's entirely possible. So I, I won't I won't put words in your mouth. There, this is huge because people trying to do the right thing can end up in trouble. Why? What? Why is it such a big deal, Diaz? Why? How should guys think about this? 
it creates sort of what I like to call the domino effect. Let's say you've got an installer. He goes skiing. He breaks his leg or he slips, you know, in a snowstorm and, and hurts his ankle. He realizes he's not getting on a ladder again. And all of a sudden, he goes to 1-800-SUE-YOU-LAWYER, and the attorney tells him that, you know, you've got a great case. You should have been all this time classified as a W-2 employee. And so either the attorney general yeah. comes in or you get a piece of civil litigation or the IRS, the Department of Labor comes in, and there's this domino effect where all of a sudden you're being hit for past state payroll taxes, past federal payroll taxes. You should have been given this guy overtime and unemployment and workers' compensation and health insurance and retirement benefits and all these different things, plus his legal fees. You can get like one or two installers claiming they should have been employees, and all of a sudden you're looking at a six-figure legal bill. So it, it creates sort of this, this nuclear domino effect. So this is really happening, like, all over the country, or is it just like crazy states? It, yeah, no, it's extensive. We, our firm probably handles about seven or eight audits or class actions on this issue a month. We've wow. got... Um, probably about 25 states, like I said, where you've got very active laws that have been passed specifically on this topic. We've got a number of attorney generals, Massachusetts, California, actively going after our industry. And you have a bit of a sense of entitlement among workers these days. Again, it's not like it was in the 1970s, so people think that they are entitled to a piece of your pie, and uh, there are a lot of lawyers out there that are trying to help them get it. Yeah. Wow. So what, what if a company has undocumented workers? Yeah, it's interesting. We had a case like that uh, just two weeks ago. We're still working on over in Kansas where we had a guy that was doing um, custom kitchen countertops. He had six installers working for him. A nice job, nice, uh, nice product. And all six of the workers were undocumented. Uh, you can use the term illegal alien. I don't know if that's still politically correct. But um, whether the worker is legal or not, they still have every right to sue under U.S. laws, and they did. And even though they had requested to be treated as independent contractors, they now decided that there was a little pot of gold if they could get themselves reclassified, so they went after our guy. Wow. Oof. Um, <laughs> I don't even know how to think about that. Um, David, I mean, you're you're in this business. Yeah, I see it all the time. I mean, it's 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 everywhere, and I don't know what goes on behind the scenes because it's 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 not my business and i i don't ask i mean i ask for insurance uh you know documents to provide insurance and workers comp and you know i i guess the rest of it's up to them i don't know can it lead back to could it lead back to the general contractor if your subs are using illegal help absolutely and that's part of that domino effect where you know you've got a a crew chief out there that's been with you many years he's got four or five guys working for him if he comes and wants to try to get reclassified, it often happens that everybody that works for him does as well, and they can all sort of climb that statutory ladder of liability, as we like to say, and you, you can have a huge problem on your hands. Hmm. Wow. So you said liability. Um, really, I, could, I think you could take liability, the word liability, out and put the word bankruptcy in, the, t the ladder to bankruptcy. Yeah. What, what should small we have guys had like that a couple times? I mean, some of these smaller guys simply cannot afford the legal bills to defend this kind of nonsense. So, what does a small and, uh, guy like David do? Well, if you get a firm that knows what they're doing, you can build. I like to refer to it as a brick wall. I like everything in crayon. So, you can build a brick wall of sort of defensive structures 
And if you've got enough bricks in the wall, you're going to be able to withstand an attack if a government agency or, or a disgruntled installer comes after you. But I'll be the first to admit that we've developed our protocols over about 15 years as this issue became more and more prevalent in the industry and more and more of our clients were getting attacked. It's not easy to follow all the bricks in the wall. It all goes to how you hire the guys and how you pay the guys and how you issue memos. And there's a whole series of things. If you can do it, you're generally going to be protected even in the more difficult states. But if you can't do it or you don't have the administrative or HR resources to do it, you really need to think about having your installers structured as W-2 employees, which I understand is a very expensive prospect. Yeah, but yeah. It will, and it will only get more expensive depend, it, as, as laws uh, uh, appear to evolve. But uh, it sounds to me like this is the same as anything else in life. If you're using, if there's a system and you're trying to beat it by subcontractors, the odds are probably not in your favor because um, you're probably not doing the right things. Whereas if you if you know you need to have a subcontractor, there's probably some protocols you can and should follow, and um, and then the likelihood of success is greater. So what's what's another big legal issue that, that our listeners should be aware of uh, in, in, uh, beyond this whole... Um, you know, subcontractor scenario? Well, unfortunately, as, as I said at the beginning, there are a lot of them these days. Um, I'd say probably the number two issue in the industry is the use of bad documentation out on the street. Our industry tends to be a little incestuous. A lot of the guys came up as installers. They came up as sales reps. They went out. They started their own operation, and they just sort of took the documents that maybe they'd seen being used where they used to work. Mm-hmm. And or sometimes they go out to like a office depot and they pick up some form contract. That's a huge area of liability because those those forms generally are in very very bad shape. Right. So so what should what should every uh, what should every construction contact con- contract contain? Well, it depends. We've got about thirty six states that have regulations as to what must be and what must not be in a remodeling or a general construction contract. So it's governed by state law. And then if you're doing in-home sales, there are some federal laws that govern that as well. I personally think that our, our customer base is much more sophisticated than they used to be. I like contracts that are written in plain English, that don't have a lot of legalese in them, that somebody with a fifth or sixth grade education can understand, not a, line, a lot of fine print, but they have to be in compliance with the law, and they have to give us the business protections that we need. Mm-hmm. So I don't like to scare the customer in the home when we're doing documents, but I also want to make sure that the client is protected. Okay. Okay. So um, can you give the folks listening to us an example of what happens if their contract doesn't follow the laws of a particular state or their, their specific state? Oh, sure. I mean, there are dozens of them. The most recent one we had, I think, was about three weeks ago, right after, uh, right after New Year's. We had a client in Pennsylvania that had just gotten burned on a $36,000 kitchen remodeling job. It was a pretty big job for this client. And uh, the work was fine. There were a couple things out of plumb, and there were a few disagreements. But it was a good job. It was a clean job. And the homeowner just, you could tell it was one of those jobs. You know these jobs when they're, when they're getting towards completion. This homeowner was looking for the free job, and they didn't pay. So the contractor went ahead and sued for, I think it was like a $34,000 balance. They had about two down uh, as, a, as a deposit. And they got countersued, and that's when they brought us in 
to help their local attorney, and the problem is that their contract was not in compliance with Pennsylvania law. Uh, and so, you know, that, that's, that's a real nightmare because now they're looking at the entire contract being invalidated, and if the attorney on the other side is really sharp, he's going to start arguing that every job they've written for the past three years has been illegal. Uh, so not only are they not getting the $34,000 they're owed, but they, there's a potential that this could turn into a class action against them. Oh, my. Makes me makes me want to just quit right now. I'm just Stop kidding. It. Stop I'm it. just kidding. <laughs> it, it gets uh, a little harder in our industry every year. It really does. It's absolutely. Tough. So I, I mean, our our contracts that are are written for a contractor aren't by a lawyer aren't they really expensive? Um, yeah, they can run a couple thousand dollars. I guess the question is, you know, you can pay for something now that'll protect you for ten or fifteen years, or you can run with what you've been using. Um, and pay on the courthouse steps for real right. big money. What do, we, what do we call that, John? <laughs> you can cost of acquisition versus cost of ownership. Pay me now or pay me later. Yeah. But That's you're it. gonna pay. That's it. And, and yeah. I, I have a, I have another I have a question about that. When we talk about contracts, um, so if you were if you wanted to put a, uh, a, a one of our one of our ways that we can fight back if somebody doesn't pay us, and if you're if you have all your eyes dotted, your T's crossed, is a lien against the property, right? Mechanic lien. Mechanic lien. Yeah. yeah. Now there are a lot of states like Michigan and Florida where you have to give certain specific disclosures ahead of time, you know, before you start the job, while you're doing the job, in order to protect your mechanic lien rights, and that's a lot of paperwork that a lot of contractors don't want to deal with. In other states, you don't have to do that, but the mechanic lien only lasts a certain period of time, and then right. you either have to sue on it or you've got to renew it. So we use them a lot to try to leverage into collection, but I don't, I'm not a big fan of walking into court to try to enforce a mechanic lien. Sure, yeah. that makes sense. Plus, somebody plans on dying in their house. They're like, whoop-de-doo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> lien my house. Eh. Yeah. Anyway, so there's got to be, if, if, if you don't want to pay a couple thousand dollars, is there somewhere you can go to get forms that are likely to be more compliant or successful or effective than other places? Yeah, oh. <laughs> there is. I, I don't, there's a little bit of a conflict. We, we helped found an organization called NAPAC, N-A-P-A-C. Okay. Uh, NAPAC.org is the webpage. And, and we have forms there that we, that we provided for them, um, state specific contracts for general contractors. I've always felt that the licensing agencies and some of the big industry representing agencies should have good form contracts to give to these guys when they get licensed. But uh, so far, we've not been able to do that. So other than NAPAC.org, I'm not sure where else to go. Okay. All right. So, well, that's all right. That's that's fair. I mean, it's a better start. But I think your advice is, um, is it's, it's probably worth making the investment to get a good solid contract written and then and then get on with it. Uh, I certainly think so or at least get your documents blessed by a, a good law firm that knows what they're doing before you get them out on the street. All right. All right, so DS, we've got a very interested group of uh of listeners uh on these procasts. If you could sum up in like three points, say these are the three things from all the things that that you have known, talked about what are the three things that you would tell our listeners uh, about, you know, legal challenges that they would face in this industry? Well, it, it's hard for an attorney to sum things up. We like to talk to so much. I, I would ha say that, again, don't let anything out on the street. Advertising, warranty, contract documents, finance materials, 
unless it's been blessed and you know you're going to be safe using it. I'd say understand that, unfortunately, there's a sense of entitlement out there. And even with workers and employees you think are loyal to you, be careful and, and make sure you're protected. And then finally, sort of from the 30,000-foot level, I'd say as a takeaway, just try to remember it's easier to stay out of trouble than it is to get out of trouble. And that's, <laughs> that's really what our law firm's about. And it's probably cheaper to stay out of trouble, too, isn't it? A lot cheaper, right? <laughs> oh, man. Um, Diaz, listen, really appreciate this information. We've got genuinely good people, for the most part, in our industry who get in, themselves into some neck-deep uh, trouble because they've missed some, some nuances. So we really appreciate, A, the time you spent with us today, and, B, your profession uh, for being uh, helpful in, in our, specifically in our industry. So thank you so My much pleasure. for uh, sure. now. Let's My pleasure, let guys. you, you talked about some things. Let's let's just get one uh, one thing out here. There's um, there, there's a place that they can go. Our listeners can go uh, for for your firm if they want to learn a little bit more about this. Right? Where where could they go? DS. Sure, we're at homeimprovementlaw.com or baronsonllp.com on the web, and you can call any one of our offices. We're happy to talk to guys in the industry. And, and, and Berenson is B-E-R-E-N-S-O-N-L-L-P.com. No. L-L-P.com. L-L-P.com. Okay. So, so it's a great resource. We're going to DS, uh, hang tight for a second because we're going to jump over into our spare parts portion of the uh, podcast where we go dig around in, uh, in our spare parts box and pull some stuff out that we think is pretty cool. And one of the things that, uh, and David, you weigh in on this because you do this stuff all day, every day, but something I think is really good and it's been an adaptation to some, some very cool stuff in our industry. Um, impact drivers are the bomb, right? I mean, you can drive these Spax screws uh, six inches long in, in three seconds, um, you know, with an impact driver. But there's some there's some catches to it also. And I'm really loving the Impact Gold uh, Makita bits where they stopped, as Makita, you know, traditionally does. They just stopped and thought about it. And they they have a design for a bit that will last you know how those things get torn up when you're using, um, you know, a bit like a Phillips head bit or something on an impact driver. Mm-hmm. I mean, they take a pounding, right? So the gold, uh, and I, I will not do this justice, so go check it out online when you got a second. But these gold bits are designed with a little stem that gives it just a little bit of twist, flex, so that it absorbs some of the impact. You still get the power drive, but you don't tear the fool out of your bits. That's what I dug out of the toolbox this week, David. You can weigh in. I like it too, John. Uh, I've been buying them and, 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 and like them a lot. Of course, you know, when you buy certain brands of screws, they'll come with their own bits, which are usually harder and they, they do well. Yep. Uh, but anytime that you get away from that and you start buying the, the, the imitations, uh, you, 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 you get what you pay for. I think we were just talking about that. It, so. it is. Cost of acquisition versus cost of ownership. Look, folks, if you'd like to listen to this podcast or you're listening now and you want to share it, you can visit us at www.proconstructionguide.com. Hey, if you haven't gotten your copy of the Pro Construction Guide, then go to the Home Depot closest to you. They'll have copies at the Pro Desk. If you've got any feedback, 866-647-2346. Leave a message. We really do want to hear your thoughts. That's it, folks. We're going to see you in our next episode of Pro Construction Guy Magazine's ProCast podcast. We hope that you'll make us a valuable tool in your toolbox.